Hello and welcome to BA Brew. I'm Mike. I'm Joe Gray. And I'm Jonathan. Today we're talking about the book Switch by um, Dan and Chip Heath, which is a, a great book recommended to us by, by Joe. Thank you, Joe, for recommending it. Um, slightly challenging given us such a thick book to read, but um, it's a, a great book, a really good book. I, I'd never heard of it before. It's a really interesting book um, talking about how to um, motivate people to, and manage change. Um, why did you recommend this book? Um, I'll tell you a bit in a while, a bit more about the background. So um, this book was recommended to me a couple of years ago by a colleague at a time when we were going through a really big change and it, it really helped to put some of the principles into practice. Um, at the time, I was quite busy at work and I only got a few chapters in, so I was really determined to sort of finish it. And this felt like a really good kind of opportunity to do that and review it. Um, but yeah, I think there are just some really simple principles. So you don't have to read the whole book to get value out of it. No, there um, is a, there's a spoiler alert there, isn't there? If you jump, jump <laughs> quite uh, quite a way back through the book, towards the end of the book, there is a, a one page summary. So if you don't want to buy the book, maybe you could go to the library and just read that one page. But just, just to give you a sort of feel for uh, for what the book's about, it's, it's talking about that change and it gives sort of four key ideas. Um, one is direct the rider. We'll talk a little bit about what the rider is, who the rider is. Um, and, and the key things around, around that are finding bright spots, scripting the, the moves for that rider to take and sort of give them some idea of where they're going. You've got to motivate the elephant. And again, we'll perhaps talk a little bit about the elephant. The elephant's in the room, but we don't know what it's about at the moment. <laughs> um, and we've got to find the feeling for that elephant, shrink the change so it doesn't feel too challenging and then grow people. We've got shaping the path. So that's all about um, identifying where we're going uh, and tweaking the environment to help get to that destination, building the, the habits of people in that change and getting everybody on board. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, the, the one page summary of the book. Um, how did you find it, Jonathan? That's the, that's the structure. And, and, and those three things are, the, are my kind of takeaways well you got to the rider I think is appeal to people's logic so give them a logical reason as to why they might want to engage in change the elephant for me my takeaway is well people are people are a whole they're not just logical they're, they're emotional beings as well and, and we've got to think about well how emotionally connected are people to this change and how might you communicate to people's emotions to get them to feel something with regard to the change and then the shape the path, I think, make it easy for them, make it really clear what it is that is expected um, and don't leave much ambiguity. So it's really kind of easy for them to follow. Um, the thing I liked about the book was the the uh, the bright spots thing. I thought that was that was really good. And, and a bright spot is where you, you're looking in an ambiguous context. There's a problem. And, and for me, the bright spot is finding something that's working already in that environment and seeing if you can learn from that and replicate the success of that bright spot. And I think, I think that we, may, we maybe don't look for that enough as change professionals, well, what's already working and how could we build on that? We might sometimes take that for granted or can overlook it. And I thought that was really useful. Um, Joe, I'm gonna to have to say, I like short books and this is not a short book. It, it, was, it, was, um, it was a little bit of an ordeal to get through, I will admit. But I think it's a worthwhile um, book to read because the messages in there are brilliant. They're really good. And, and I think it really brings change to life in terms of the emotional connections to it. And, and I think I think there's some really powerful messages in here. Um, 
Joe, do you like the book? I, I do actually like the book. It's it's quite a long read and there are loads of scenarios. So it gives you examples of the, the rider and the elephant and the path and where they've made that change. And at the beginning, you read these examples and you think, how on earth can they get out of this? How can they make this change? Mm-hmm. But somehow they manage it with sort of very small kind of trigger points. And I like how the rider and the elephant and the path all kind of they're all as important as each other and you've got to get them all right to actually make that change happen and shape that path, which yeah. I thought was really nice, really good examples. Yeah. Do, do, do you think you, you'd use it? Do you think you'd use it on yourself or with a colleague or on a team um, in terms of helping to manifest the change in, in the workplace? Actually, funnily enough, I have actually used it. Uh-huh. So um, a couple of years ago when I first read the book, Um, I read the part about the gloves. So there's an example of a big organization and they had quite inefficient spending habits. And this guy didn't have any budget to go out and do any analysis. And he spoke with all the different teams and it turned out that they were all buying gloves from different suppliers and they were spending like completely different amounts on these gloves. So what he did, he got all of the gloves and put like a tag of the the cost on them and then laid them out in front of of all the managers and they were kind of shocked and it made them make that change to change their purchasing habits. And I did something slightly similar to this with um, all of our forms at the council. So I took all of our online forms. They all look slightly different in appearance and I laid them out so we, we could assess the differences between the forms and kind of how confusing it is sometimes for our residents to fill them out. And it, it was sort of a similar thing, but on a, on a smaller scale. And it, it really helped to make that kind of visual impact. Well, I think I think that's a great story, and and that glove, the glove example in there, where he stacks the the gloves on the table and lets the executive see them, <laughs> and and the price tag of, of what's being paid, I think that I think one of the most powerful examples in the book of motivating people to see where well, there is there is a need to change, and and conveying that that need for change in a very visual way which isn't a graph or a table it's it's a it's the same thing that you've done there with the forms putting them out and saying well look at the forms and look how how confusing they are and taking that outside in perspective and seeing how how maybe we've got these processes that are ridiculous if we look at them through logical lenses that we're paying different prices for gloves or exactly the same standard across the organization um and and the forms why wouldn't we make them consistent and easy for for people to fill out it's kind of it's just it's 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 really logical, but I, I really like that powerful um visual example of well stack up the gloves and, and let people see how complex this is. Actually, Mike, you, you were talking about analysis techniques and how, how these could apply in the book, and that's yeah. probably a really good example of one. It's sometimes we'll we'll create all this data and all this analysis and all these brilliant slides on on the impacts of a change, but unless you actually show someone and shock them, it's hard to yeah. make that change. Absolutely. And I think that's one thing that came over really strongly for me in the book is the, the, the idea of appealing to the emotion. So you can provide all these facts, you can provide lots of graphs and all sorts of things. But actually, some, you, if you've got something that evokes some kind of emotion and there's some kind of the shock of all of those gloves or all of those different forms, it's really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, think the, I think the book's great. There are so many really good examples that bring the, the concepts to life. Um, and there's just there's there's lots of different things that you can get to grips with. And then you can use those stories to kind of justify uh, attack, tackling some of these uh, problems yourself um, back in the workplace, which I think is, is really, really quite powerful. One of, one of the themes that came out for me was courage. Um, mm-hmm. 
And, and Joe, I'd, I'd suggest that by printing out those forms and doing it in the way that you did, you had to have a bit of courage to try something different, to put the message across in, an, in a way that would invoke a response. And, and that courage to do that and maybe do something that's outside of the norm, not just sticking to your PowerPoint presentation or your, your mm. format uh, uh, that, that's expected of you and doing something that's different in order to captivate people's imagination. And, and I, think, I think maybe that's something we could all learn from in terms of maybe having a bit more courage to try things um, and, and to, to explore other ways of presenting arguments, information and, and encouraging people to, to adapt. Pretty good point. Yeah. Mm. There was another point in the book around, um, I think it was called the sterile cockpit, where there were pilots that were getting really distracted when they came into, the, when they sat down in their air, aircraft. And what they did was they made it like a time for focus. So they, they called it the sterile cockpit, where you weren't allowed to talk until the, the flight was off the ground and they were actually in the air. And I thought that that principle almost applies to kind of our world as well is yeah. you almost need to make that time for the focus um, and yeah. shut everything else out. And, and distractions. It, get over 20,000 <laughs> feet before they can have a chit chat about their weekend. That's or, it. That's the one. <laughs> um, and the, and, and the, the, not, the amount of distractions that we've got in our working environments, are the I don't know, email, instant chat, uh, telephone, um, you've got social media and being bombarded and, and, and thinking, well, are we giving ourselves enough time to focus and think through things? I think so. Yeah, it's a powerful, it's a powerful one, that one in terms of, of a takeaway, because if you're leading a change and people don't have time to think it through or to, to complete their work in what, what the book calls sterile environment, then we're not giving people the environment to succeed, are we? And that, that environmental piece, they shape the path. I thought, I think it's a really nice finishing kind of element of the of the structure of the book in terms of well, how are you going to help people to have an environment in terms of helping them shape the environment or shape the environment for them so that it can be successful at whatever it is that you're asking them to do. Because um, I think I think sometimes we can put an onus on the individual to do things and not necessarily give them the support that they need. And, and therefore, we might be setting people up to fail if we don't think that through. There's uh, one thing that, following on from your comment before about finding the bright spots, I really like that, the, the finding the bright spots idea there. Um, because actually, quite often, when we look at some kind of problem, we focus on the problem. We don't think about where some of the things are working really well. And actually, you can learn a lot from looking at where things are work, working well and say, All right, OK, well, how can I now apply that? To the problem so I'm, I'm annoyingly optimistic about things so I, I a phrase I often use is find the positives whatever you're looking at if yeah. there's some kind of problem find the positives in it and then try and redirect those to help you solve the negatives or um, perhaps a, a rebalance the negatives somewhat I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be I don't know whether it's controversial or not but I, I think that if someone doesn't want to change and, and they're, they're, I'm going to use the word stubborn, if they're stubborn and they do not want to change, I'm, I'm not sure the book gives us the answers as to how to change that particular person's habits, behaviours. I think it gives us some really good insight, and, but I'm not sure any book could solve this, by the way. I'm, I'm not, not expecting the authors to solve this problem because if someone's stubborn and just doesn't want to change for whatever reason, I'm not sure that appealing to emotions and logic and shaping the environment will really get them to change and and I'm what I'm quite keen to do 
because I've only read the book in the last month, is to test out some of these ideas to mm. see if it has the impact that the that the authors don't guarantee success. I, they're not they're not they're not saying that, but I'm really quite keen to test out some of these ideas when there's some really difficult changes that need to happen uh, just to see if it works. Um, Joe, with the forms thing that you did, yeah. did was there a simplification? Did people realise that the complexity and and was there was there a movement towards simplification of the forms? Yeah, so it actually ended up going into our um, customer experience platform business case. So we wrote in the analysis into that. And so it did it did feed into a case for investment. Mm. Um, on, on your previous point, Jonathan, I, I think I'm going to just completely disagree with what you said yeah. there, just, <laughs> just to be controversial, because yeah. um, there was a point in the book that talked about creating like an organisation an organizational identity and they talked about the conflict and a kind of us versus them so the bright spots were the ones to really like own and drive that change mm. and there were always people that would disagree with it so they called it something like organizational molting where you would get the kind of the key people who are trying to make that change and the other people who didn't necessarily want to buy into it and that there would be that kind of rub that like real conflict mm. and how how you as an organ organization change your identity to start to overcome that and how some people just won't agree with it and they'll either change or they'll they'll move on um but it, was, it was quite interesting they only touched lightly on it there was an interest there's lots of really great sort of uh, psychological thought behind well i think it's great psychological thought it seems good i'm not i'm not an expert on psychology but there's there's definitely lots of stuff in there you think well that's that i can see how that's really quite good um and and could be quite powerful uh, and there's loads of references to other books that obviously we're going to have to read in in, uh, in preparation for future podcasts. But um, one of the things I, I found really interesting was the motivation about um, that you've, you've already succeeded on on this journey. So there was the uh, the idea of the loyalty card, uh, where you uh, they did there was an experiment with a loyalty card with uh, one with six stamps on it, where you you go to the car. I think it was a car wash. Yeah, it was yeah. You go six. Sorry, Jonathan. Was a car wash. Yeah, was a car wash. So you go six times and you get a free car wash. But they had another another card that had got eight stamps on it. Um, but on that card, they they gave you the first two stamps for free, and they found there was a significant higher uh, return rate or loyalty rate from the card with eight on it, even though with two that had been stamped already, because there was this feeling of having already made some progress. Mm. So that way of sort of identifying, yes, you you've you've already on this path you're making some sort of progress was really good and I think there was a thing around the was it the the maids that um who they asked these maids about the exercise that they'd done and they said oh we don't do any exercise at all and when they analyzed their jobs they thought well actually they're very very active in their jobs um and there's a very high percentage of of um of exercise going on but when they told uh, the, the groups about this um I think they had one control group where they just um said well we're going to measure how you're progressing over this period. In the other group, they said, um, you've, you're already doing this amount of exercise. After a period of time, the, the group that they told you're already doing this exercise had lost weight somehow. It's like, magic, how has this happened? Nothing else has changed other than they've been told that you've already lost, you're already on that route to losing a bit of weight. Hmm. Hmm. Ubering harder and cleaning faster, I think. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> it's good. It reminded me of the book, I don't know if, if you've come across it, Nudge, where you're just giving people a little nudge in the right path um, towards a goal or an outcome. And, and those kind of that, the, the main thing and uh, um, 
the, the stamp collecting collection thing to get your, your free car wash. Just that little nudge towards a goal or an outcome and, and celebrating some success that's already there that, that we that we could do a bit more often, I think. Um, I do like the idea of a podcast too, though, Jonathan, so you, so you can put it into practice and uh, see how we go. <laughs> and, 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 and entirely bought in. Um, maybe, maybe, I don't know. You know, I think, well, I think we've done podcast one, haven't we now? We've, we've recorded podcast one. We've successfully done that. We can have our eye on podcast two. And I think that's probably a good point to think about. Let's wrap this up. Let's save some of these <laughs> gems for, for podcast two. Anyway, thank you. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, thank you to, to Jonathan and Joe. Thank you, Joe, for introducing us to this book. It's been great. Um, if anybody else has any suggestions for uh, further episodes at books or techniques you want to talk about, please email us. Our email is babrew at assistkd.com. Thanks again and hope to see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.